Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In today's episode, we're going to explore the economic impact of the three prisons in Tattnall County. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you this quick story first. Back in 1970, there was only one prison in the county, Georgia State Prison. And on March 29, 1970, an inmate escaped. He stole a shotgun, kidnapped the wife of an employee, and forced her to drive him about an hour away. He made her drive him to an abandoned school and put him out. And when she turned around to leave, she got stuck in the mud. And he helped her get the car out. Well, he hid in that abandoned school building. That's Barbara Christmas Golden. She grew up on the grounds of Georgia State Prison because her father was the warden. Inmates often worked in her home, cooking, cleaning, and babysitting. Some would even drive her to school. When the woman who had been kidnapped returned home, there were notes all over her house warning officers not to go looking for the inmate. They found little notes in the house saying, if you come looking for me, you'll have a funeral on Easter. All these little notes like that. Well, Easter Sunday morning, the guards went looking. And two guards, Dickie Rogers and Don Smith, opened up a janitor's closet at that abandoned school, and the inmate shot and killed both of them. Rogers State Prison is named for Dickie Rogers. Smith State Prison is named for Don Smith. And two decades later, when Smith State Prison would open, the Smith family would be there, and they'd be honored by the State Board of Corrections. GBI agents discovered much more involving the prison, including two more allegedly related murders. Crime and contraband in a local prison. It was a true whodunit at the time. I can't believe I'm saying this. Sent the hitman to the wrong address. All the options are on the table. We don't know. Things like this don't happen in Glenville, Georgia. I'm Evie Wilson-Weatherby, and this is Prison Town, a podcast that's digging deep into one prison in South Georgia. After months of investigating Smith State Prison, we're going to put out one new episode each week. I'm reporting this with Jessica Solaji, who you will meet later on in this episode. Smith State Prison is one of three prisons in Tattnall County. It's the newest. Georgia State Prison was Tattnall County's first, and for a long time, it was Georgia's prison. 
It's this white, modern, classic architecture. It's symmetrical, austere, and has a tower at its tallest point where inmates were executed with the electric chair. Georgia State Prison was built in 1936 by the federal government as the Georgia Industrial Institute. It was actually originally intended to house juveniles, but the next year it was purchased by the state of Georgia, and for 85 years it would contain some of the most violent criminals as a maximum security facility. But Georgia Department of Corrections closed Georgia State Prison quite suddenly last year, in early 2022. They announced it was closing at the end of January, and by mid-February, it was closed. And it wasn't like GDC sent out a press release. It was, they called the employees and said, hey, we're closing, and you're not going to have a job in this many days. And they started phasing people out. Yeah, it was, I mean, it all happened within... I would say two two to three weeks. That's Jessica Salaji, co-producer of this podcast. The Georgia Department of Corrections announced that they were closing their oldest and most notorious prison four months after the Federal Department of Justice started an investigation into Georgia's prison conditions. Georgia State Prison had last been renovated in 1979 to give you an idea of its condition. They say it's closed because it no longer houses inmates but they might use it to transfer inmates to court or to local jails. So they kept the warden and some staff there, but their argument was that they weren't keeping people overnight. I'm I'm not sure if that's true or not, but to the extent that they had their 1,500 inmates, that stopped in a very surprisingly short amount of time. So Tattano County still has two fully operational state prisons. Rogers was built in 1983, and Smith was built a decade later, in 1993. To understand why Tattnall County has so many prisons, it's important to understand what was going on across the country. Back in the 1980s, American farmers were in a credit crisis. Record production and a decline in exports led to thousands of farmers filing for bankruptcy as land values dropped and interest rates soared. American farmers are facing their worst financial crisis in years. As many as 10% of our farmers could be pushed out of agriculture this year. It's unlike anything we've seen for uh, years. At this same time, many of these economically impacted rural areas had also lost manufacturing jobs. So we started to see these rural communities, especially in the South, advocate for prisons because they came with a promise of good government jobs that could withstand any economy. Pam Waters bought the Tattnall Journal in 1981, and she owned it for 35 years. It merged with another local paper, and she still works there. I asked her what the community was like back in the 1980s. Well, we've always felt very close to our military neighbors of Fort Stewart, and we have a lot of military who live in this community. So I feel like we're a very welcoming community, and I interviewed someone a few weeks ago who said they just started going west from Richmond Hill and came upon Glenville and it just kind of stuck with them and they decided to buy a house here. And we've had we've had several stories like that that I know of personally of people who came here, like the community, somebody stopped and said something to them and just kind of sealed the deal that this is where they would live. So Pam Waters actually editorialized for the prisons. She wrote opinion pieces in favor of them back in the 1980s. There's, there's secure state jobs Even when the economy goes bad, usually that's when you have more people that commit crimes, you know. And so, and I know that I editorialized on the prison 
that it was secure state jobs. You know, it was during inflationary times. You were you you were not going to lose your job. It was close to home, uh, and the and the state benefits is one of the main things, and the secure the job. This idea that prisons would bring secure state jobs was a popular one. Many people refer to this time from 1970 to 2010 as the prison boom, when over two-thirds of U.S. prisons were built. The height of it was in the 1980s and 90s, so Rogers State Prison was built right at the beginning of that boom, in 1983. And by 1989, the county started advocating for another prison. When local farmer Steve Daughtry sold his land just north of Glenville, the state approved the site, and Smith Correctional Institution was built in 1993. In the keynote speech at the ribbon-cutting of Tattnall County's third state prison, Senator Jack Hill stated that while it might be politically incorrect to build so many prisons, he said that it was necessary. Crime rates at the time were at a historic high, And this led to tough-on-crime policies and harsh sentencing. According to the Sentencing Project, from 1992 to 2003, the number of people serving life without parole sentences almost tripled. So not only did we have more people in prison, but we had more people that would spend their lives in prison. So many rural towns and counties that were in economic decline competed for these prisons, and they offered financial incentives— like donated land or tax abatements. The city of Glenville annexed the land for Smith State Prison so that they could bring them city water and sewage. And the residents still subsidize it. Pam Waters explains that particularly because Smith State Prison was built right on the cusp of Glenville... Coming into Glenville, yes, you see it. People's support was split. But it's not right in somebody's back door. So I, I don't... There are more people for it, I think, than against it. But I know during that time, it it became an issue that came different factions. People wanted it and people who were against it. And I remember there was one person who was very outspoken who who called me, screaming at me one day and saying, it's right across from your house. And my house is on West Chapel Road, but you can see the lights of the prison from our house. You know, but I always looked at it this way and I tried to editorialize on this. That if they escape, the first thing they're going to do is try to get as far away from this town as they can. They're not going to hang around. Whether they will go in someone's house and steal a car or whatever, um, you know, we looked at it. They wanted to escape. She explains that while Georgia State Prison and Roger State Prison are kind of in the middle of nowhere, separated from the community, especially because they had all the farmland. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of secluded. People saw Smith State Prison as being right next to Glenville. The local paper touted that the prison would staff 331 employees, mostly hired locally. Smith State was going to have a 12,000-square-foot gymnasium. It would have day rooms and an auditorium with a stage, 12-foot-high chain-link fences topped with two feet of razor wire coils, and five guard towers. While it was pitched as more of a moderate facility, it was built to be the highest security prison after Georgia State Prison. I think it was low or medium security. And now, you know, it is the extreme opposite. It's very high security. Yeah, the the, the murderers are there and the rapists. <laughs> and while building prisons did initially help slow the economic decline in these rural counties, 
these benefits didn't persist. Prisons did not inspire other companies to come. And historically, we've used inmates to provide labor because we can pay them very little. Rather than bolster the local economy, the prisons actually displaced low-wage workers because they have to compete with inmates, especially on public works projects. Many of these towns overextended themselves to attract a prison, but then they had to support them. Tattnall County, where this story takes place, is particularly fascinating because for 29 years, they had three state prisons. Jessica Salaji has been reporting in Tattnall County for years. It's always been something that's talked about, but not not overtly. Like they would mention small things about the prison, you know, not being on the tax digest or at a council meeting and how the city was subsidizing the water at a reduced rate for the prison and things like that. And so I was always hearing about it. In 2021, she decided to really dig in and find out how much the three prisons were costing Tattnall County taxpayers. She said that after the indictment for Bobby Kicklider's murder, it was clear that this complicated case was going to take a long time and cost the county a lot of money. It made me ask how many other cases are being tried in Tattnall County Superior Court because of the inmates. And at that point was just about the same time they brought a senior judge in specifically to handle Superior Court felony cases in Tattnall County to clear the backlog in, in the prison cases. And at that time, they had 177 inmate cases that were going through the Tattnall County court system. She means 177 cases where crimes were committed by inmates in prison. You're talking about murders, riots, multi-defendant cases, things that take a really long time to move through the court system. So when I found that out and then also got the data on um, the number of contraband drops and corrections officers that had been charged and their cases were going to be moving through, which was also, you know, over 100 a year between citizens and corrections officers. Then I was like, okay, well, I want to look at everything. Tattnall County used the American Rescue Plan funds from COVID-19 relief to bring in a senior judge to handle only cases that stemmed from the Georgia Department of Corrections. And at its height, they had a backlog of over 170 cases. They still have around 70 pending cases. And that ARPA funding is going to run out at the end of 2023. We'll be right back after this. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
TheGeorgiaVirtue.com is an online news publication based in Southeast Georgia. Our daily content focuses on local government, the justice system, and public corruption. Visit TheGeorgiaVirtue.com to subscribe to our newsletter for the latest headlines and updates. Jessica and I wanted to go back to really look for the trends. Billy Joe Nelson Jr. is the district attorney for Tattnall County, but Tattnall is only one of six counties within the Atlantic Judicial Circuit that he represents. So even though all of these numbers were pulled from across the Atlantic Judicial Circuit, we're told that they mostly are representative of the prisons in Tattnall County. And remember that Tattnall County maybe has one or two murders a year of regular people. So now compare these to the overwhelming numbers that stem from inmates in the Department of Corrections. In 2018, the Atlantic Judicial Circuit had 44 felony cases and one murder that stemmed from inside of prisons. In 2019, those numbers doubled. They had 78 felony cases and two murders that stemmed from inside DOC facilities. In 2020, they had 173 felony cases and eight murders stemming from inside DOC facilities. And in 2021, the year that we've really been focusing on, because that's when Bobby Kicklider, Jerry Lee Davis, and Jessica Gerling were murdered, the Atlantic Judicial Circuit had 127 felony cases and 15 murders from within DOC facilities. And in 2022, the numbers got a little bit better, with 75 felony cases and three murders. It's important to note that this is the year that Georgia State Prison was only open for two and a half months. And in many of these instances, an inmate is not incentivized to take a plea deal because they're already serving time. So the judicial system has to make time to try all of these cases. I had started attending court and prison cases where people were murdered in their cells and things like that. And just how hearings would last like hours and hours and hours and court was 10, 12, 13 hours a day. And like, I think people started seeing that while our entire court was operating all day just for prison cases, like not a single citizen's case, not a divorce, nothing went through there today because it was all prisoners. According to the RAND cost analysis, a research organization that helps quantify things like this, each of these homicide cases cost the judicial system around $31,000 each. The state awards the county $10,000 each year to assist with all of the court costs incurred from the prisons, which doesn't even come close to covering it. When something like a riot happens, it pulls resources from across the state because each of the inmates cannot be represented by the same public defender or attorney. So they bring in alternate defenders, what used to be called conflict defenders, from different counties. In 2019, there was a riot at Smith State Prison that implicated 29 inmates, and they all had to be represented in the court system. In June of 2016, an incident broke out at Smith State that was so bad that approximately 50 inmates were charged, and they all had to be brought to court. That's resources for already understaffed prisons to transport these inmates to court. With that riot in 2016, more than 15 inmates needed medical attention, including four that were life-flighted to Savannah because their injuries were so bad. Tattnall County Emergency Services Director Dustin Dasher remembers pulling in ambulance services from surrounding counties because they didn't have enough people to help. When I say major 
this was a enormous multi-jurisdictional event we had all of our ambulances went Evans came Long came Toombs came Wayne came the private services and we just rotated out helicopter and ambulance and it was like at least 14 or 15 patients transported not including the ones that went by van and you can't take every critical inmate to the same hospital because of capacity and security issues it's a safe number to say we go to a prison at least once uh, per shift, so an average of once per day. Public records indicate that in 2021, Tattnall County EMS responded to the three prisons 252 times. And 230 of those calls, or 91%, resulted in transport to a hospital. And 42 of those transports were individual life flight helicopters that cost the county $40,000 each. And if this transport is done by ambulance, that means that Tattnall County residents have one less ambulance to respond to the rest of the citizens. Oftentimes, each prison call itself will encompass at least one hour time uh, where we'll be uh, wrapped up in that particular call at that time before we could be available for another call. The calls that we respond to are either medical in nature or trauma. It could be anything from chest pains, with a heart attack or possible heart attack, or it's something as simple as, uh, or would seem as simple and routine as a diabetic emergency. The trauma-related calls often are assaults, which can include anything from just physical bodily harm from one to another, uh, or stabbings, burns, uh, and even sometimes suicide attempts like hangings. I did this interview with Dustin Dasher back in July of 2022 when Warden Brian Adams was still the warden of Smith State Prison. And I found this fact interesting, as Dustin compared the kind of calls that they would get from Smith State Prison to the ones that they got at Rogers. Historically, it seemed that more of the violent nature calls would originate from Smith's prison. However, they both have their own fair share of calls where we're you know, asked to transport an inmate who's been assaulted or or stabbed, beaten, uh, burned, whatever the origin of the trauma is. Smith's has been a place where if you're going to see one patient, oftentimes you're going to see many more to follow. When emergency services are called, it actually pulls resources from the rest of the prison to make sure that the EMS team has the security and the support that they need to do their job. There have been times where we have been asked or required to have to go into a cell um, determined by the nature of the call. If it was a situation where the inmate was found dead uh, or a situation where uh, physical access or any other barrier was prohibiting us from getting to them safely, in essence us needing to have uh, the inmate brought to us, which is what we really and truly uh, need to have happen more than anything else is not to have to go into an area that we're not you know, trained or suited to go into that requires uh, additional security staff or other measures to be taken to ensure our safety. Um, we don't like to be in positions where we've been asked to move in one part of the prison to the next without security with us due to the fact that you would pass by an inmate in the hallway or 
walking along the side of a building inside of the same fenced area that you are without exactly knowing what his intent is, especially when tensions are elevated after they've had an uprising or some sort of event where there have been multiple assaults, stabbings, and that sort of thing. And uh, you'll oftentimes be going with your patient out to the truck and they're having a shouting confrontation through the fence or you know, in the same area where the officer will have to do his best or her best to try to you know, buffer what's going on there to keep tensions down because inevitably it seems that you know, the fighting still is it's not yet over with. You know, there's still more things going on that we can't see behind the scenes. I asked if they ever needed more than one ambulance at a time. Yes, there will be times where we have to have multiple ambulances at either facility if there are multiple patients involved and if there are multiple destinations to have to uh, determine. So if one inmate might need to go by ground to a hospital or another inmate might need to go by flight to a hospital. Would they bring a guard with them? Yes, and oftentimes they have to really find somebody who's willing to get put out there for that length of time. So you got things going on like shift change where an officer is fixing to be maybe getting off of work within 30 minutes to an hour and then now there's you know that added time to have to accommodate or an officer that just come on shift that needs to be there at the facility but they need to send him or her elsewhere and that takes one more or a couple more people out of the scenario which sometimes is already short to begin with. Dustin Dasher has been working in emergency services for two decades. And he mentioned that early on in his career, the most traumatic injuries he saw were people that got hurt on farm equipment. But now the things that he sees in prison are the most traumatic. This violence also impacts the county coroner. The coroner is a part-time elected position in Tattle County, even though Bradley Anderson treats it like a full-time job. Anytime there's a death, he goes out, declares the time of death, and releases the body to a funeral home. In the case of a call from prison, he retrieves the body from the prison and transports it to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation Crime Lab for autopsies. And later, they sign the death certificate and release the bodies to the families. We'll respond, and we'll go wherever the body is, the inmate is, in the prison. If it's in the cell or if it's in medical, we would go there and then um, normally... The investigation team from the prison system, they would take their pictures and process the body. Brad Anderson has been the coroner for Tattnall County for a couple of years. You know, I guess kind of late. I took over January 2021, and so far there's been um, 32 prison deaths. In 2021, there was 15 at Georgia State Prison. You should know that when Georgia State Prison was open, it had a medical ward. So not all of those deaths were homicides. Some of them were cancer or things that were related to aging. In 2021, six at Smith State Prison and three at Rogers State Prison. 2022, two at Rogers and five at Smith's. And then in 2023 so far, we just had one last week. For context... He only had three homicides since he took office in 2021 that did not happen inside the prison. Since January 2021, and one was family-related, one was Bobby Kicklatter, and one was a guy that was brought here and 
shot, but didn't live here in Tattle County. So arguably the Bobby Kicklider one is related to the Georgia Department of Corrections. I would yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yes, ma'am. That was my first month being in office. I had to do that. Bobby Kicklider. It was horrible. I, mean, I knew his son. I knew, I knew the whole family. It was just unbelievable. And that's the one that I, I do close my eyes sometimes and I still see. You know, my, my granddaddy laying there, you know, yeah. and knowing he was innocent and just slaughtered. He said that in the two years since he's been elected, he estimates that his visits to the prisons have cost the county around $20,000. So I, I went through the coroner, the EMS, the sheriff's office, the courts. That's Jessica Salaji, co-producer of this podcast. And then I talked about the school system because while it's common knowledge that government property is not on the tax digest, you're talking about almost some 10,000 acres combined through all of the state property out there through the three prisons that is not on the tax digest that it amounts to something like $133 million that is just completely removed from what the school system would get. And Tattano County has 25,000 people. If you, in, if you added the prisoners into the population, they would make up 15% of the population. When inmates are counted in the census as residents of the county with the prison, rather than their home counties, these rural towns can qualify for more federal aid, and they get more congressional appointments. So if a county has less residents but more inmates, the votes of the citizens get a little bit stronger because inmates can't vote, but they're still counted. Sure, there were very few people in prison at the time of the first census in 1790, And that data wasn't used for redistricting. Now it is. But what we've learned in this reporting is that Tattnall County was pitched all of these benefits in the 1980s. So they bent over backward to attract the prisons. But now the county is hemorrhaging money. They used relief money to hire a judge to only focus on prison cases, and they still have a backlog. And their district attorney, Billy Joe Nelson, recently testified at the Capitol for a state bill that asked for more funding for judicial circuits so inundated with correctional facilities. In the next episode, we're going to get back to this case that we've been following about Bobby Kicklider and Jerry Lee Davis. And we'll tell you about the first time we laid eyes on Nathan Weeks and Christopher Sumlin, the first time we heard their voices. You might be surprised to know that Marla Davis was sitting right next to us. Next week on Prison Town. Uh, 194 inmates, uh, the most dangerous inmates in the uh, state of Georgia. Everybody in there is in isolation. Uh, I had the uh, Crip leader, the Ghostface gangster, the Crips, the, the Bloods, the Gangster Disciple, MS-13. Um, I had all the, either the number one or the number two gang leader. Not one phone, two phone, three phone, four phone. What we found was methamphetamine, numerous phones, a handcuff key that actually worked. If he would have had a Corvette at that prison system, I wouldn't have been shot. Prison Town is produced by Jessica Salaji and me, Evie Wilson-Weatherby, supported by the Center for Collaborative Journalism and the Georgia Virtue. Original theme song composed by Francois Byers. Story consulting by Debbie Blankenship. 
A special thank you to Jonathan Weatherby for the graphics, to Louis Levine, Rachel Schaff, and Sophie Gratis. In this episode, you heard interviews from Jessica Salagi, Pam Waters, Dustin Dasher, and Bradley Anderson. If you're looking for more information, go to prisontownpodcast.com to see all of the original reporting. You can also follow us on Instagram at prisontownusa. We post video clips if you're curious to see what some of these people look like. That's prisontownusa on Instagram. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.